Support comes from Clipper Vacations, offering getaways on the Clipper Fast Ferry to Victoria, B.C. Clipper Ferry and hotel packages from $250 per person. Enjoy historic charm, afternoon tea, and more. Terms and conditions apply. Details and booking at clippervacations.com. You're listening to Soundside. I'm Libby Denkman. Let's take a walk down memory lane. Washington state Republicans hope you'll think about high gas prices when you vote this fall. A GOP-backed initiative to repeal the Climate Commitment Act, which charges companies for emitting carbon into the atmosphere, is likely headed to your ballot. Does that sound familiar? It might because I said it yesterday in the introduction to a conversation we had with state representative and ranking member on the House Environment and Energy Committee, Republican Mary Dye. She said it's time to dump Governor Inslee's signature environmental law. We've been adamant that this would impact people's budgets on their utility bills, that it would raise food prices, that it would raise the cost of home heating. And indeed, it has. It's hurt every single family's budget in the state of Washington for this Climate Commitment Act goal. You can hear that full interview along with a breakdown of the law and carbon pricing in general on our website, KUOW.org soundside, or the podcast on your favorite podcast app. But one group we didn't talk to about the Climate Commitment Act yesterday is Democratic lawmakers who are in charge in Olympia. They're using this legislative session to consider tweaks to the law before voters almost certainly, yes, most likely, will decide on the fate of the cap-and-trade system in November. Democrats have bills that would create more transparency for fuel prices, and they're looking to link Washington's carbon auction with California and Quebec, among other changes. So we reached out to State Senator Joe Wynn, who chairs the Environment and Energy Committee on that body, to hear more. Now, unless the legislature adopts it, the initiative to repeal the Climate Commitment Act will be headed to the ballot. And Wynn said he's fine with that. In fact, he says it's the right thing to do. I think that's how our democracy works. So obviously, you know, this is not how I would have planned it for thoughtful policy. But at the end of the day, you know, the voters should be able to decide. We've heard from critics of the legislation this week who say that the Climate Commitment Act's auction prices were too high. The expectation that it would only change gas prices pennies on the dollar is something that comes up a lot. They say that that was an unrealistic selling point for the bill and that the downstream effects of the bill has been hurting working people at the gas pump. They say that the entire law should be scrapped. Can you make a simple case for why Washingtonians should vote to keep the Climate Commitment Act? Yeah, first off, we've experienced literally record high temperatures, not just in Washington state, but across the world. We're suffering from droughts. Uh, Wildfires are persistent throughout our state right now. So I think in this particular state, for sure, we care about climate policies and ensuring that we protect the environment in the future. I think from a more pragmatic level, The funding from the CCA actually goes towards our transportation package, goes towards our operating budget, goes towards our capital projects as well. So if you are from Spokane, for instance, and you like the north-south corridor, that likely gets on pause. If you're living in East Issaquah and you like the traffic calming measures on Highway 18, that goes on pause. If you're one of the folks in our ferry communities, the new boats that we were slated to develop, those likely go on pause as well. And Part of it is because we know that it's going to be uh, an effort for us to decarbonize, and it takes resources for us to do that. So by making these investments in a thoughtful and strategic way, we can decarbonize, build a cleaner future, and then also mitigate the impacts that we see on our most vulnerable communities. 
I can hear the ads and the campaign mailers and everything that we're going to be getting as this campaign ramps up to repeal the Climate Commitment Act. And they say, you know, working people at the gas pump should not be the ones bearing the brunt of these ambitious projects that, you know, many consumers may say are necessary. We want to improve the resilience of our state for the climate future. But I also need to drive my kids to school. I need to, you know, work for a living that involves my car. And it's been hurting a lot to have gas prices be higher under this bill. I mean, how do you respond to that criticism? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to duck the fact that climate policies would have an impact on fuel prices. How much is up to debate? Well, I will point out is that gas prices are actually lower today than before the climate policies were put into place. There's global factors that impact fuel. And I think being able to ensure that we have a line of sight in terms of what that looks like is crucial. So candidly, right now, we're being held hostage by a handful of refineries in our state. And that's partially why fuel costs are actually high. By us having the resources and tools to diversify our fuel and energy sources, it gives us a more stable transition It'll actually help folks make that transition to a cleaner economy while we're trying to, to lower costs as a whole, not just necessarily on fuel. Because I will remind you, wildfires cost money. Suffering from asthma because of pollution in the air costs money. So we're already paying for the cost of pollution. Now it's a matter of us to ensure that the polluters aren't doing it for free and that the state is just picking up the tab for it. So while Republicans are building this effort to try to repeal the Climate Commitment Act, your caucus, the Democrats, are looking at tweaking the bill, changing some aspects of it, including widening the carbon allowance auctions to join with California and Quebec, which have longstanding carbon auctions, have been around for a little bit longer. What other proposals are in the works here? I mean, what are your Democratic colleagues and yourself working on to try to tweak the law this legislative session? Yeah. So the one that you're mentioning right now is linkage. So the idea that if we're able to coordinate with California, Quebec in their carbon markets, it'd be much more stable, much more balanced. I will say cost of auction credits are significantly less than they were this last summer. So if you take the current prices, say, for instance, in the futures markets, it's around $36 per metric ton versus the 63 that first came out. What we saw in that first instance was kind of a similar situation to like a PS5. When something first comes out, it's hard to gauge demand, and oftentimes the prices will shoot. Same thing when you get Taylor Swift concerts, right? But in this case, uh, we're already seeing that price cost normalize lower, uh, so hopefully the impacts will be much less. But in terms of the policies that we're working through, mostly it's going to be on the budget side towards investments directly in our communities. Air quality monitoring for overburdened communities, filtration systems for communities that are impacted by pollution, ensuring that we have the infrastructure necessary to make sure that our roads are being preserved, things like that. You're going to see it on a very tangible basis. In fact, I was up at the Lummi this past weekend visiting the reservation. And because of climate change, they have a road, it's called Slater Road, that every single year for the past few years floods, which essentially turns their reservation into an island. There's money from the CCA to help harden and lift that road up a little bit to ensure that there's resiliency within our communities. Yes, fuel costs is a, a major concern that I have, but so is my kids having asthma. So would be kind of getting cut off from your community because of climate change. So we have to make that balance when it comes to these policies. Do it thoughtfully, 
there's never going to be a perfect world where everybody's going to be happy. But that's what leadership looks like in Washington State. And that's why we're, we're doing this work. Senator, I just want to follow up on a comparison you made there between Taylor Swift concert tickets and the carbon <laughs> allowances. I don't think you want to be associated with Ticketmaster here. So <laughs> we want to get as Taylor far Swift away from that. Not that. <laughs> Taylor Swift specifically is popular. Ticketmaster, not so much. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> you sponsored a bill as well, Senator, that would mandate more transparency from oil and gas companies. The intent is to show how much impact the carbon auction has on fuel prices and then also to dig more deeply into all these other factors that go into the price at the pump. But this is a big regulatory change. I mean, it's likely to include a lot of back and forth with these oil corporations who may be unwilling to share pricing information. Why is this important and how quickly might this actually make a change with how pricing is structured? Well, we just need radical transparency as a whole. So the point of that bill is just to ensure that the people of Washington state have visibility in terms of what is impacting them. It's widely known that the main driver of fuel costs is crude oil. And that also the infrastructure in terms of maintaining that infrastructure, distributing the fuel is a significant driver. So it's interesting that the climate policies are the ones being blamed for cost when it's a fraction of the total overall cost. So even if it was 20 to 40 cents, depending on whom you're speaking to in the oil community, gas prices this past summer was nearing five, 550. So it's still a smallest percent relative to total number. So th- there is an impact. But my point is, we should consider all impacts. And this policy would help put us on that track. So this is less about the cost specific, it's just making sure that we have the information necessary to make smart decisions. Was the marketplace suffering from a design flaw from the get-go? I mean, we talked about those high auction prices when we first launched the auction. There is this conversation about the targets for reducing carbon being too ambitious out of the gate. I mean, compared to California, which was a less steep curve, they didn't have these super high auction prices that then rolled down and, and saw a really big spike in gas prices right away for folks. Like, I know Mark Mullet, your colleague in the Senate, has proposed easing up on some of those carbon emissions goals to try to loosen the market a little bit. I mean, would you support easing the state's emission goals? So those goals are not abstract. That was based off of the Paris Accord in order for us to mitigate the worst impacts of climate change. The reason why California is a little bit different, if we had done this 40 years ago, when the reports about climate change first came out, it wouldn't have been as drastic. That's why other jurisdictions like Denmark and other places didn't see the same level. But California started in 2012, but I mean, not 40 years ago, just to be clear, but yeah. Yeah, but 10 years ago, same as well. D- Denmark and other jurisdictions have done it a long time ago. What I'm saying is that if we had done it four year, 40 years ago, it wouldn't be seen as drastic because that, that curve would have been much more smooth. That's what we're pitting against each other, right? So cost implications are very real. So are the heat domes that have killed billions of species and ruined economies in our communities in Washington state. So are the wildfires that are happening right now. So my job as a legislator isn't to just have a divisive policy that might be controversial. I have to literally try to save uh, our, our economies, our systems, our ecosystems here in Washington state while balancing the needs of our residents. And that's kind of the, the tension that you're going to feel, because obviously you're going to have different perspectives on how that happened. I would have loved it if we had done this four years ago, or 40 years ago, and the, the curve wouldn't have been as steep. It's the same as if you're studying for a test. If you studied all semester long versus the night before, 
can be a very different type of dynamic. State Senator Joe Wynn chairs the Senate Environment and Energy Committee in Olympia and represents Washington's 34th legislative district. Thanks very much, Senator Wynn. Thank you. I appreciate it. We covered other aspects of the initiative challenge to the Climate Commitment Act, as well as speaking with a member of the Republican caucus who wants to repeal it on the show yesterday. And you can find that episode on our website, KUOW.org slash SoundSide or on the SoundSide podcast. You're listening to SoundSide. When we come back, we're going to hear some hard truths about Boeing and what it has to do to right the ship over in Renton. Thanks for listening to SoundSide. This show is only possible because listeners support us. If you're able to give right now, please check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.